Welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. I'm Ben and I'm here with John and Ryan. For today's episode, we're going to talk about technology, something we're all familiar with, but specifically related to how you can utilize modern technology to efficiently run your business or operation. I think there's a lot of tools and apps that people may or may not have heard of who think, why would that be helpful for me? Or maybe they they recognize uh, that they could utilize these tools in certain ways, but simply haven't tried them yet. So we thought it might be helpful to talk about some of this technology more broadly, and then specifically uh, some of the things that we utilize, which we think really help push our business forward. So where do we want to start, guys? I mean, we could really talk about any of the... I mean, I'm a slacker, to be honest. I am a big (laughs) slacker, which really sounds bad, but is actually very good. good. (laughs) Well, for starters, I think it's relevant to say that our utilization of technology is ever-changing. Since we've started working together over the uh, about eight, nine months ago, I think we've, at this point, probably employed like five, six, seven, eight different platforms, some of which have stuck. They've withstood the test of time and they are still a relevant part of our practice today. Others we experimented with and found that they either didn't work for their intended use or we found a better solution for that same problem. I think as a general theme, one one thing that I like to consider here is that the best system that you never use is not as valuable as the okay system that you already are in the habit of working with. And this is particularly true for things that are repetitive in nature, things that require constant updating. And so I guess for our purposes and for our context, this is particularly relevant in the communication space, in the document management space, in the project or task management space. Mm -hmm. John, do you want to maybe give a little high-level overview of of what we use and and why we use it? Yeah, I think um, just as another general framing point, like all technology is, some of the technology that we use I would describe as um, being very important or maybe even essential. But at the same time, it's all, for us, it's more of a, it's a productivity saver. And it's also, I think, a way to, save processes and make things repeatable, which is important to the business. But like nuts and bolts, I would say we we use the Google suite of products to do a lot of stuff. We have all of our essential documents for... So what, what we do is we have a construction company, we have a management component. Um, I do legal work in relation to real estate stuff. And then we have the private equity fund, which is a lot of legal work and documents. And we also have our own private real estate holdings and acquisitions, which we do sort of all the time. So we have a lot of different components to that. We use like Google Drive, Calendar, email, Gmail for everything, like step one. And I think a lot of organizations do similar things with that. We use, we've started to use and has become, I think, an essential component of our workflow, Trello. Trello is a um, task management system, I guess you could call it. It's, we use it, I, I think you can do a lot more you know, powerful and advanced things for it, but we basically use it as a repository for things to do. So, We employ, in conjunction with our use of technology, very high-level project, product management type systems that I used to employ when I was in my technology startup days. So again, very high-level. What we try to do is have a a weekly meeting, um, which actually is today for us, where we talk about all the tasks that we're doing, 
um, this coming week, all the tasks that we did in the prior week, talk about how much time or complexity they're going to take, et cetera, et cetera. But we use Trello to keep track of all that. So if there's something that comes up, like a task that has to be done, but isn't uh, an emergency, we can just put it in Trello and say like, here's where it'll live. And when we have the meeting, we can go back and refer to it. Um, real, real quick, I think it's worth highlighting that the a lot of these workflows are relevant for the team context. So if when I was operating as an individual proprietor, mostly working solo, a lot of these things probably would have been overkill. And, you know, it might have been nice to have them written down somewhere. But it's I, I think it, it pales in comparison to having three or four people working together in conjunction with one another on a recurring basis. I think it's arguably a necessity um, in that context. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think a lot of these tools are kind of geared towards that context. So keep that in mind for yeah. personal relevance. And, and like uh, we referenced this on a previous episode as well, but a, a lot of, you know, what we're doing is we are ourselves trying to impose processes on all the tasks that we're doing and we're using technology to help those processes. So like, for example, we use Google Calendar for all of our calendars, calendaring, you know, needs, but we'll, on the calendar, we'll put things like, Hey, we're going to be done with whatever rough inspection for this property by this date, or we're closing on this property mm -hmm. by that date. And that's part of our process system of like, you know, one, one issue, which may not be obvious, but is a big problem for us is that we have a lot of properties that we ourselves own and we're also doing the construction work on them. And so we don't have a client that's sort of breathing down our back to say like, Hey, are you going to get this done? But at the same time, we have to push them through because they're, you know, dollars and cents consequences for it. So we're trying to impose the same processes that we would do for a third party project on our own project, just mm -hmm. as an example. And I think from a productivity standpoint, when you talk about practical use, right? So for example, John talks about I like the phrase calendaring. So when we were calendaring our daily weeks and schedules, what have you, right? It, it stops us from having to waste any time saying, I know I don't have to call John if he's saying, hey, I'll meet you later at this property to meet with a, a potential construction client. I don't have to call him out of the blue to find where the address is, right? I already know it's in the calendar. And from Trello standpoint, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about our point system, but the, the system we use, I happen to really like because I love uh, putting in Trello, not just from a standpoint of knowing what everyone else is doing in the context of what my goals are, but setting weekly goals is remarkably motivating. I know for myself, just to have everything organized. Okay, yes, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this as priorities. And then if I have time, I can do X, Y, and Z. So from mm -hmm. a practical standpoint, I think it's been great. Yeah, yeah. Both uh, tools, I, I agreed, all tools. Yeah. Another tool that we use, that we've been using quite frequently that Ben mentioned at the beginning of the episode is Slack. So Slack for us is a a communication tool that has replaced in a lot of ways email and text messaging. So the idea with Slack is that there are you know, important piece of communication that we need to share among each other, but we don't necessarily need to want to interrupt someone in, in the middle of whatever they're doing with that information. So for like non-absolute emergency pieces of information, we put it in Slack. We can look back at previous things like decisions that we've made, which has become very, very helpful because we have a lot of different projects in the, in the you know, frying pan, if you will. So we've been using that. We have channels for individual projects, individual homes, individual business ventures, whatever it might be. And that is something that we've adapted, adopted, I would say within the past month, but it's been very immediately uh, an essential 
tool for us to be more productive and to keep track of things. I think my favorite thing about Slack beyond its uh, practical helpfulness is for people, why would people know this? Our office setup is the three of us all facing back to each other. And I think my favorite moments are when we're actually having a conversation on Slack while we're all sitting within two feet from each other, because that's how productive, that's how committed to the work we have at hand is. But it's also worth bearing in mind that the reason for that is because if John is working on something that requires immense focus, it doesn't distract him in the moment because Ben and I are having a conversation about something that could be could be discussed in the background over the course of the day um, and that isn't immediately urgent. Right. The other thing I wanted to highlight with with Slack is this speaks to the point earlier about the the perfect system that you never use is not as valuable as the okay system that that you use regularly. One concern we had with Slack was that we were implementing a new system and the adoption of that new system was really going to be the key to success. And one thing that was nice about working within a team context was once one or two of us made a concerted effort to use that system by virtue of necessity, the other two had to do the same in order to stay on board. So adoption really wasn't as much of a concern for us as I thought it might be. Um, And that made things a lot easier. I think if we already had another system in place where maybe we had a group me or a WhatsApp group or a Facebook group or something like that, where we had been previously communicating, I think it would have been a little bit tougher of a transition. But up until this point, we were mostly just communicating between some combination Mm -hmm. of text messaging, email, and a little bit of back and forth on Trello itself. And I think a a good thing about it too, is it's helped to delineate the quote unquote, uh, most important or like highline items for us to discuss. I know, I think Ryan was the one who described this when we started this, uh, but we've, I think all adopted this, which is that, you know, Slack tends to be, and this is just our choice, obviously, but Slack tends to be things that we, you know, maybe don't need to address right, right away, but are things that we can look back on and respond. We have time versus making email like, okay, if we need a contract signed for a closing or to talk about some major issue at a property, then that's, you know, what email really is for. And so also delineating those in in terms of importance. uh, So you know, in your mind, oh, if there's a Slack, I'll get to it versus an email. I need to address it right away. So I think that's how productivity as well and can help your team. Yeah. I mean, a feature that I like about Slack too, is that it's a, it's a nice repository of information that is easily searchable. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I have the problem where like I need to find something that's buried in an email or in a text message. It's so very hard. hard to find that. Like even just this morning, we had a subcontractor going to one of our properties and needed the the lockbox code. And we had just had this exact problem, but we communicated over Slack about how to solve it. And so I was able to send yeah. him a picture of that's that someone had sent on Slack about how to solve this problem. And if I had tried to find that in like a text message or an email, oh, it would have taken a long time. We but it took me like five seconds. a lockbox channel. I, I hadn't even thought about that. That would be brilliant. Because yeah. I just constantly or just forget the a, yes, that's right. Yeah, at yeah. this, okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we we use Slack for for accounting. We use QuickBooks, um, and I think that's been okay. Um, we switched over from an accounting service that we used in 2018 that we weren't really satisfied with. Um, but I think garbage would be the right term to use. Yeah, for I mean, they had some problems. <laughs> um, but so QuickBooks has been. It's you know I. I I, we, we have another way of doing some of our accounting that I'll touch on a little bit, but QuickBooks is, is a great way, you know, the, the sort of ultimate source of truth for our accounting are the, our, our transaction logs, you know, from our 
uh, checking account and our other accounts, credit card accounts. So there's there's no like there's no lying or confusion when you look at the actual brass tax and the amount of money that you spent or you took in. So we, we use QuickBooks to keep track of that. We use CallRail as a, um, uh, a phone system. So we have phone numbers that will forward to each of our phones for various reasons. Like we have a, uh, a construction phone number that forward, like a sales phone number that forwards to our phones. We have a construction work number that forwards to our phones. I think for, um, for acquisitions, we have in the past set up, you know, numbers that forward to our phones. Yeah. A lot of that, a lot of CallRail's intent is to help with tracking. So if you're running multiple campaigns, let's say for acquisitions, you're running an online campaign, you're doing direct mail, you're doing Facebook, and you are bandit sign set up. If you have a different phone number allocated to each one, it better allows you to track the efficacy of each different path as opposed to just saying, I had 10 leads come through this month, but I don't know where they came from. Going back to the Google suite, one of the most, I think in a lot of instances, one of the most effective solutions is often the simplest. And I would say that just taking photos, using the stock app in your phone, taking photos is quite possibly the biggest time saver that you can have as either a construction individual, like a construction person or as an investor. One thing that I, I think we should do a little bit more often, but that we've been getting better at recently is chronicling each project through pictures and through video and then depositing those photos or those videos into a folder for that specific project. It helps for a variety of reasons. It's obviously nice to have some kind of before and after photos, but it's also helpful to have to have a point of reference if you're thinking about, you know, how many outlets do you have in a room and you're going to buy you're going to buy the electrical boxes or you're looking at purchasing light fixtures and you want to know exactly how many you have roughed into roughed into a room or if you're getting into a dispute with a subcontractor who's saying you know this wasn't there before I started and you can say yeah no it it was there I can show you the pictures it's super helpful and there there are a lot of instances where it can save you a trip to the property and when you have multiple properties and multiple projects going on at any point in time uh, that can be a huge time time saver mm-hmm. I also think coming back to the G Suite at a, at a high level look, I think it's fair to also caution the convenience of it sometimes. I think I know I create a lot of uh, uh, Google Docs and Google Sheets and we drop a ton of stuff in the drive. And so I think oftentimes it's something that we found too is because everything, G, the G Suite incorporates so many things where you can drop the information that both Ryan and John have talked about, it can become almost a black hole. So it's really one of the things I've really enjoyed about some of these other resources, it's it's helped to aggregate a lot of the information I used to just drop in G Suite in, in a drive. And so unless you're being really active and Again, another thing we've talked about, about organizing your drive, you just want to be really careful because you can just get in a habit of saying, oh, it's in my, it's somewhere in my G suite. So I'll always be able to find it. But that becomes a very slippery slope when you actually need information on hand right away. One other, one other tool that we've used, not to totally segue off of that point. No, no, um, please segue away. Yeah. One other tool that we've used is Joist. Um, We use that for our invoicing and estimating for the construction business. It's a pretty simple tool, but it it allows us to kind of operate in a professional manner. It helps in some capacity. It helps with tracking invoices and outstanding invoices, what the balance is for any given project. But I think one of the things that 
I've liked about it is when we're managing our own projects, we can employ some of the same practices that we use on third-party work, which is, I think, just generally a, a good practice to or a good habit to get into. Mm. It's very easy to just kind of like lose sight of of the bigger picture when we're working on our own projects and we don't have a th- another investor or we don't have a client to be accountable to. Yeah. But this is also something that I've taken from working with certain hard money lenders. Having them in the picture obligates you to keep a scope of work, keep track of where you are in the project, kind of tabulate your costs on a consistent basis for each division within the the project overall. And it, it just kind of creates a sense of order in what can otherwise be a pretty chaotic process. Mm-hmm. Brian, I was also going to say, do you want to talk about Carrot as a tool? Sure. So one other platform we use as real estate investors is Investor Carrot, which is, I think we've mentioned them in the past, but they are a firm that has templated websites and uh, a suite of online marketing services that are geared specifically towards real estate investors. So that's how that's one channel through which we do some of our online marketing for mostly for motivated seller leads. So this is mostly an acquisition tool for us. Um, there are a few others out there, and a lot of these platforms are great, but they there's a pretty critical element of you know, of consistent practice and oversight and management on behalf of the business, like on behalf of us as investors, you can have the greatest site in the world, but if you never market it, it's not going to drive any traffic. When we, I use, uh, have used in the past and would again, Cozy for certain property management related tasks. Cozy is a website where you can put a listing for a property and it will syndicate your listing to a couple of other websites. Um, but primarily I use it for the um, application and sort of credit score component of it. So once you set up a listing, you can set up a an application for it, accept applications through the website. And then if you want to, you can also collect rent through the website. I generally don't do that just because it's easier for me to collect rent and tenants will pay in, in various ways. But it's intended to be like an, an end-to-end full-service uh, property management tool. And it's essentially free to you as a landlord. They charge tenants for various things like credit checks and background checks. We actually used Cozy for one of our tenants to collect rent. And it's nice that it's nice that it all integrates together. My one gripe about it is it's a little slow when it comes to processing mm-hmm. a payment, but it's not uh, it it has improved. And as we know pretty well, cashing a check through a bank, the standard process for it is, is not the quickest to begin with. We've had the same problem with Joyce, actually. Because right. Joyce can also do payment, uh, processing. payment processing, but it's... Yeah. yeah. Um, something else that we've, uh, or that I've used, and I think we, we all use probably pretty frequently, is Zillow, Trulia, Redfin. All of those websites are a pretty good reference point, mostly because they provide a good user interface for looking at property and with the map views, it's it's pretty intuitive um, as opposed to some of the, a lot of like realtor websites that integrate with the MLS, maybe don't have the best interface or don't have the the best ability to filter in a, in a specific way. I also use Google Maps a ton, um, mm-hmm. both for, obviously for navigating purposes, but also the, the street view tool is indispensable. It's also, yeah. Yeah, it's also, it's also a really cool tool, tool to use. You can go back and scroll through the history of a given location. Mm-hmm. So you can look at, you can gather the street view history from, 
probably 2011 or 2012, 2013, whenever they first started gathering that data up through today. And in a lot of areas, they've gone back, um, they've gone back and forth to and covered the same locations multiple times. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of get a sense of how things have changed. Um, That can be helpful if you're looking for a looking at a specific building and you're trying to cross reference different different old listings or different stories that you're hearing uh, as to gather whether, whether things were renovated. Any, just any as a specific past. example of that in particular, we were just looking at a property in new Haven that is packaging together a second plot of land as part of a sale. And we still don't know if legally you'd be able to build on that, but by actually going back into Google maps years in the past, I was able to see that at some point or another, there was a home built on that area. So it's just a, just a practical use of it. And then of course, just sort of going back and mm-hmm. getting a sense of the, the wider neighborhood. Yeah. And I like the, the, the satellite or Google earth satellite mm-hmm. version too, because you can see the, you can try to see the bounds of the property. Right. Like if there's a parking area or garage or whatever it might be. I've also seen a tool, I forget the name of it, but there's one that can estimate the footprint of a building. I've used that, yeah. yeah based yeah. on based on the aerial view. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It kind of gives That's you the really dimensions. Cool. Or you, and can, then, you can draw on it and say, right. like, here's the approximate square footage if right. I draw on it. There's in. a whole mess of apps, too, that... that um, I should update in the next episode that I don't know offhand that, that you can look up for going in property, getting measurements and, and mm-hmm. getting a sort of a specific layout when you're physically in a property, not yeah. just anything. Well, another, another tool that I love, and this isn't an online tool, it's a physical tool, but the, the laser measure, uh, laser measuring tool. Ryan goes nowhere um, without it. I, I love those things. It's just, it's really nice for approximating square footage. Even, even if you just use it to get one, one clear shot from end to end of the building just to get a general sense of the footprint and then multiplying that by the number of stories. There are, there are to return to your earlier point, Ryan, about, um, you know, looking at property data through Zillow. There, there are, there are wrappers as well that we use a lot that will take city or county or state data mm-hmm. and then repackage them in a digestible form. A lot of increasingly cities and counties and states will have online data, but oftentimes it's really inconvenient to search through it or whatever. Um, New Jersey is an, is a good example of that. So something that I use, I don't know if you guys really use it, is njparcels.com. Mm-hmm. I really like that. It's a wrapper around the tax records, essentially. Right. I use um, it, uh, for whatever reason, I use the tax records. Which directly. is also good. I also want to plug state info services, which is Jersey specific. It's mm-hmm. like another form of njparcels yeah. that I absolutely love. There's Property Shark, which is a paid service, yeah. but has similar information. A lot of these systems are, or most of these systems are only as good as the data mm-hmm. that they collect. So to the extent that they differ in terms of data services, you'll see some variation. Mm-hmm. And I would always suggest to cross-reference. So never just rely on one source. So I know that when I'm looking at comps, like take the MLS out of it for a second, I'll probably go through some combination of, of Zillow and Trulia, and then also cross-reference facts on state info services and NJ parcels and aggregate that all in a summary I'm doing of a given property, just because the more uh, info you can gather on it, the better. And it's a great way to verify some of the things that you're seeing. It's also, uh, I, we've mentioned it a few times already, but the MLS itself despite its its deficiencies it is super helpful in terms Absolutely. of being in terms of being a repository for a lot of data um, specifically historical data so it's nice to be able to if you have a specific property that you're looking at and you have a realtor that you're that you work closely with it's nice to be able to pull all relevant MLS history for that property it's also nice to be able to search if you're in an area where a lot of the housing stock is, is similar it's it's nice to be able to search for example, as granular as like a specific block and look inside and get a mm-hmm. sense of what each and every house on that block is like, because um, obviously one of the big challenges that we all face is finding relevant comps. And yeah. oftentimes that's the the closest you're going to get. One piece of technology that, um, or 
suite of technologies that we we do use, which is unique to us, is that we've actually built some of our own technology to manage the construction process. So as we as we mentioned um, probably a few episodes ago, one one major issue that we have as a construction company is uh, we have a lot of projects that are going on simultaneously, and you know we're we're paying out expenses for these projects. And to the greatest extent possible, we try to use built-in things with things like credit cards to divide out what expenses are per project. But at the end of the day, it can be very, very challenging to keep track of like where our guys worked on any given day, what we bought for a project in any given day, what we made in a project in any given day. Like, I mean, I, I, like the, there are definitely construction companies out there that have no idea what, what they're making on a project, like how much margin they made or, you know, whatever else, which is, you know, a whole nother episode about how these construction companies price projects. But, um, so we, I, I built something for us essentially to input uh, a summary of what we did every day, which allows us to keep track of our workers, allows us to get progress updates on the particular project. Uh, we can keep pictures in there. We can put expenses like receipts in there. In the future, we should be able to track income and what our subcontracts are doing at, at every project. So with, even without doing the this sort of QuickBooks-based accounting, we can go in and very quickly see, mm-hmm. hey, how much did I spend for framing for this particular project? How many days did it take me? And what do they do on every given day? Or the same is true for sheetrock or plumbing or whatever else might be. So that's I would say it's been very helpful for us to keep track of our our money and our labor when we're not necessarily there at every single project every single day. And I would just say, first and foremost, if you're interested in learning more about managing the construction process, I'd refer you to managing the construction process part one and part two earlier episodes in our repertoire. But to John's point, that's exactly right. I mean, one of the things, if you have the capabilities, we're lucky to have John who is able to build these systems for us. You know, obviously you're going to have, we're talking about are the uses of some of these uh, programs and technology in the context of what we do. If you can fit that into what you do, that's phenomenal. But if you're also able to build certain things that are tailored to what your specific needs are, and you'll find what those are as you go on through through your operations, then that's phenomenal. And just as another example, John built out something to help us track our accounting. He's also helping all of us build out a an acquisitions platform so that we can better keep track, for example, of what we're looking at, uh, our thoughts and opinions on on projects, both that we we put offers on and didn't. And that, again, is something that's specific tailored to us from a technology standpoint. So if you have that capability, obviously that that is quite ideal. A few other things I'd like to plug while we're at it. Uh, I have an app on my phone called Jotnot, J-O-T-N-O-T. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are various competitors to it, but all of them kind of serve as like a mobile scanner. So it allows you to take, essentially scan a PDF of a document onto your phone, um, which I've found super helpful when I don't have a true document scanner on hand. I also do have a document scanner. It's a little bit of an older piece of technology, but in terms of scanning text-based documents, both in terms of accuracy and speed, it's it's been super helpful for contracts and invoices and things like that. It's a good idea, by the way, to just look at the... I didn't even think about that, just going on my phone and looking right. at the apps I use Right. Uh, going through here. Dropbox can always be helpful in whatever business that you do. I realize that's not relevant. Yeah, to we've, been, we've had a debate about Google Drive as a repository for documents mm-hmm. versus Dropbox. I prefer Dropbox. I'm, a, I'm team Dropbox we're, we're all the using way. Google Drive, so that's fine. <laughs> Which is crazy, because that's a majority. I think that's all my fault. <laughs> uh, I, also use, I also use iCloud files, though it may not be the best at integrate. I, I'm... A Mac guy and yeah. everything is OS X. iCloud? 
I use it for some document stuff. Oh yeah. And it's worth downloading. <laughs> we use Canva uh, a little bit to work on our social media. I mean, obviously we didn't talk about this clearly because everyone is. We're on Instagram and Facebook, even Twitter, which we use less, if at all. So having anything, any kind of app or technology that can help uh, you individually or aggregate some of your other tools can be of service. Yeah, I, I use uh, Hello Sign for signing documents. I was just yeah. going to say Dot Loop. But yeah, I, I, yeah. Use, I use Genius Scanner for for the scans. It's just another just another scanner. Uh, I use Nest, which uh, integrates with Nest yep. tools. Yeah. Um, it's but, good to have the apps of anything. So if you go to Home Depot a lot, download the Home Depot app. Lowe's, same thing. Got to go to Lowe's. Gotta I don't go to gotta go to Lowe's actually. That's actually Lowe's yesterday. What? That's Moe's. Well, no, no, I think it's Lowe's. <laughs> no, gotta no, go to Moe's. <laughs> gotta go to Moe's. <laughs> um, there's also there's also actually a on I think in the newer iPhone iOS there's a, a measure app which is like kind of an augmented reality measuring tool. Uh-huh. I don't know exactly how precise it is, but in theory it's cool. I also have you have you have to have the Panera app, obviously, because you can't live in business without going to Panera. I also like the phone feature of the phone, where you can make a phone call. <laughs> this is a crazy thing called text messaging. Wow, it's all the rage. Um, we really we really diverted. Any other things that that you think can help people in business uh, moving forward operationally? Well, we we could touch a little bit on. I don't know if we have a lot of time, but at the process that we use to do project management or project management, which is in conjunction with Trello. But sure. So it's, I mean, I guess you could call it like a Kanban or lean or whatever, many terminologies to describe it. But we operate on the premise that obviously all of us have discrete amounts of time and effort that we can put into work any given week. And one big detraction from the amount of time that we can spend is figuring out what to do and also having meetings about deciding what to do. So the, you know, the the takeaway or the observation is that what if we just had essentially one meeting once every time period, we've decided to do it a week, but you could do it every two weeks or month or whatever you'd like to determine what it is that we're going to be doing on that given time period. And so there are recurring tasks that we all do. Those would not be appropriate for this type of meeting because ostensibly they're the things that you do every day. So like if every day you do the accounting or you update the accounting, then that's not a task for this type of system. It's just something that you do every day. But the idea being that every person has a set number of points, whatever you want to call it, made up made up units that they can do per time period. So per week, say you might have 10 points. And you can call them story points, you can call them complexity points, you can call them whatever. But the important thing is that these are not time. So you might say every week I have 40 hours a week to work. But the problem is that human beings are, the premise is that human beings are not very good at determining how long tasks will take. But it's a lot easier to determine how difficult or complex a task might be. So even a task that might take a very long time could be very simple just because it's very repetitive, like entering data into a a system. But a task that might be not take a lot of time, like maybe filling out an application might require a lot of thought and effort because I need to pull documents from somewhere. I need to think about how to answer certain questions, you know, whatever else. So the idea is that, you know, like willpower is a renewable resource, but but it's also an expendable resource. So if you expend all your willpower doing one very complex task in one day, that might really ruin your productivity for the day, even if it only took you an hour or two hours to do that. So the point being is that you ascribe points to yourself or to other team members and then ascribe tasks with a value of points. So if I have 15 points to do in a week and one task 
takes me five points to do it, then that detracts from my 15 point total. I only have 10 points left for the week. So that's the system that we use to delve out work to each other. And it's used in conjunction with with check-ins. So every day, although we haven't been good about this uh, recently, to be frank, because we see each other so often, but every day we'll do a meeting that's supposed to be no longer than five minutes, where we all very quickly say what we did the previous day and if we need help on doing anything the next day. So that's a way for us to keep accountable to each other and also to check in and say, you know, hey, this task, I'm waiting on, you know, Ben to finish something. And unless you finish it, I won't be able to do it. So can we talk about how to finish it or how to get it going? Um, it's not a perfect system and we're we're evolving and, and working on it. And and I think it's most appropriate for for companies that have are very project and task oriented, which can be us sometimes, but other times it's not. But in any event, it's been effective for us just as just as a management tool and as a way for us to scale in the future. You know, right now we only have essentially four people that work for us and then some construction guys, but at some point when we have 10, 15, 40 people that work for us, some system like this is going to be very important both to minimize the times of meetings and context switching, figuring out like what I'm going to do. And also just as a high level management technique where say I'm overseeing people, I can understand what everybody's doing without having to go into the details and minutia of that every individual task. And this all comes back to the the theory that that which gets measured gets managed. Um, and I think for a while we weren't really managing these things or measuring these things in any in any real way. Right. And and now that we are, while it may not be perfect, I think we're constantly iterating on it and we're constantly trying to improve it. And the fact that we have a process, i.e., these weekly meetings, is super helpful. During those meetings, we also generally review whether we felt we adequately allocated points to each of us and how we could have done that a little bit better. Um, And then generally the challenge that we seem to have with this is, is by the nature of what we do, we're oftentimes putting out some type of fire and it becomes difficult for us to just focus exclusively on the six tasks that we were assigned for the week. So while none of those tasks may be insurmountable or unachievable, when they're taken in with the context of everything else that we have going on, sometimes they fall by the wayside a little bit more than they should. Mm-hmm. But it's been, I think, a a vast improvement over the essentially non-existent system that we had in place beforehand. Yeah, and it, it, for for me, it's you know the, the difference between working for myself and working for a company that I own is in some way creating these processes because that in in a large part is like the secret sauce of a lot of these companies is having repeatable processes that say i say i am working for myself well i might do everything and everything might run through me but say i'm working in a company that has a process i might be an integral part of that process but i also might be hopefully at some point an interchangeable part of that process so if i can't do something in it i can hire someone else to do that thing and then scale in that capacity. So, you know, we, we already in our sort of early history of the company, there are already too many tasks where if it was just me and you, Ryan, for example, we couldn't, you know, possibly do all of the things. But now that we have other people working for us, we can do more things. However, 
in order to keep scaling and keep expanding, we have to put in processes in place where we're able to do that effectively and without a lot of setup and, and thought costs to do it. So like if we're going to expand to a new market, we were just talking about this. In fact, you know, what is the process that we're going to have to say, go into a market that we've never been before. And once we develop that for market A, then we can deploy the exact same process with market B and C and D, just plugging in different people who might be local to that market and be able to do the same processes that we've already developed. And consistent with that theme, another tool that we've implemented over the last three weeks, maybe, is we I put a little forum together. And the idea was to kind of tease out some of the repetitive tasks that we each mm-hmm. face and to first and foremost bring them into our consciousness so that we're aware of them. And then secondly, to think about ways that we could either automate the process or streamline it or outsource it to somebody else. And I think, you know, for, for John, just one example of this is, so taking a step back, the way that it works is every day in the evening, it sends us each a text message with a link to a form, click the link and the form asks you a few simple questions. What did you do today? What of the tasks that you did today is repetitive in nature? And then how can you streamline any of these repetitive tasks? And I know one thing for John, a consistent theme in his responses is Airbnb messaging, Airbnb responses. And so naturally, you know, it's not something that you can necessarily automate, but it is something that could potentially be outsourced. And I think the the idea was to get things like that into our consciousness so that, you know, it sparks a debate or it sparks a conversation at some point right. about when the time is right to bring someone on board mm-hmm. to handle that task. Yeah. And, and I think just to, as a final note, it, it's just worth remembering trial and error is your friend, right? Try all these things. I think it's, it's worth, you know, I knew of a lot of these apps. Slack was something I had done before, but I had never used Trello. I had never heard of Joist. I'd only just learned about Cozy, maybe for future rentals I do. So try as much as you can and and don't be afraid or worried if you know you stop using it or if you're not enthusiastic about it. Do what works for you. I think that's sort of the most important theme here. I think we have come to this point both from a technology of our own creation and things that already exist, a nice balance for how we operate. But again, for for the listener out there, do what, what's best for you and try as many possible resources as you can as you try to streamline and make your business as efficient as possible. Yeah. And I, I would also briefly say and realize that there are other tools. Like if you have a problem, a business problem, you are not the first person to have this problem. And it's more than likely that someone else has already developed a tool to fix your problem. So I, sometimes businesses will will go and they'll like describe their problems in such unique ways that it sounds as though like the only way to solve it would be to just build your own, you know, roll your own product. But nine times out of 10, there's going to be something else out there. It's just a matter of, you know, I think if you're listening to this episode, then that's a great start because you can learn from our experience, but also just go out there and say like, hey, I have this problem. I guarantee someone has thought of it, thought of a solution, you know, whatever else. So much, much easier to implement somebody else's solution than roll roll your own. Gentlemen, thank you for your time and expertise as always. For the folks listening at home, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast to reach out to us on the Brick by Brick, that's Brick X Brick Facebook, and make sure to listen to us on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening.